your average cotton t-shirt takes about two and a half years of clean drinking water from one person. Welcome to Rise Regardless, a podcast featuring the trials and triumphs of resilient individuals. I'm your host, Patrice Chan, and that was Selena Ho. Selena is the founder and CEO of Reclosited, a consulting agency dedicated to righting the harmful fast fashion industry. With Reclosited, she's working with businesses as well as consumers to collectively march towards slow fashion. Even amidst the COVID-19 pandemic, Selena continues to resiliently scale sustainable brands through business consulting and educates consumers about slow fashion through the Recloseted Radio podcast, an ebook, and Recloseted social media channels. Outside of sustainability, Selena also applies her business acumen in consumer health as a marketing manager at TELUS. When she's not working, you can find her on the mountain skiing and snowboarding, unwinding at a yoga class, or trying out new restaurants. All right, let's get started. All right, Selena, you and I first met at a sustainable fashion event where you delivered a talk on the surprising truths and norms of our current fast fashion industry. Can you provide those who weren't there with a summary of highlights you shared as well as the beginnings of your slow fashion journey? Yeah, for sure. So this is going to be pretty lengthy. I'll try my best to make it succinct, but... I kind of started as a fast fashion consumer. I wasn't that ethical. I really loved kind of the more artistic side of fashion and the creative side and expressing myself for certain outfits. I think a lot of people see that side of fashion and they kind of fall in love with it. And then I watched a documentary called The True Cost about three years ago. And I think it's not on Netflix anymore, but maybe you can find it on YouTube or snippets of it on the internet. But it's a really good documentary that really opened my eyes. Um, essentially they were just talking about all the dirty secrets of the fashion industry, everything from like all the unethical labor that was going on, what happens to our clothes after we're done with them, the materials, just all of that stuff. Things you don't see, you know, when you're in a retail shop or when you're seeing like an influencer on Instagram. So after I watched the documentary, I remember I felt so guilty and so ignorant and so shocked. And I was a little bit in denial. I was like, okay, there's no way things are as bad as it seems because if it is, more people would be talking about it. Like my friends would know about this. People wouldn't be producing so much. And so I went on this research frenzy and went through these deep dark holes on the internet where I just like Googled a bunch of stuff. And what I found out was not only were things as bad as they had been portrayed in the documentary, they were actually worse. And when I came to that realization, I just did so much research and it just really broke my heart that more people weren't talking about it. So from that, I organically started a blog, which we still have on Recloseted's website, but it was mainly just the blog and also our Instagram that started out. And I just wanted to spread awareness about it because I didn't want people to be as ignorant and as you know unaware of it as I was. And I think taking a step back, like I'm someone that loves nature. Like I was born and raised in Vancouver. I think we were just talking about this. 
Coast. Yeah. And like I love hiking and I love snowboarding in the winter. So like I'm always trying to get up to our mountains. And so as someone that loves nature so much, it broke my heart that my fashion choices were having such a bad impact. So that's how Recloseted came to be. And that's essentially my sustainable fashion story and my sustainable and conscious living journey. But yeah, it, it takes time, you know, like it doesn't happen overnight. And this happened three years ago and I'm still not perfect today. So it takes time, but it's important to start, I think. Mm-hmm, for sure. So then what's your number one tip for people interested in diving into sustainable fashion when they just don't know where to start? I think the number one tip is just to start somewhere. Like I think when I put myself back three years, I remember being so overwhelmed with all the information out there and not to self-promo, but with what we're doing with Recloseted on the consumer side, like I try to make it as easy as possible because I know how overwhelming it can be. And I try to give people very tangible tips and not just tell them, you know, people are dying and we're sending millions of tons of textile waste to landfill because, you know, it's great to know these facts and it makes you kind of depressed. But if you you don't give people a tangible action or a solution, they can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. So I think Recloseted's, um, our Instagram, our website, like I think those are good places to start. Mm-hmm. I also think the True Cost of Documentary is a good place to start. And then I also think like you can do your own Google searches um, and kind of touching back on the handbook, like I took all the research that I had compiled over like a year and realized that no resource covered everything from A to Z. And then ignorance, Lena was like, okay, I'll just write a book. It can't be that difficult. (laughs) Famous last words. It's actually quite difficult. I have so much respect for authors now. But yeah, I think my handbook would also be a good place to start. And there's just so much on the internet these days, you know? Like, I think there's no excuse to be ignorant because everything is at the tip of our fingers. We just have to spend 10 minutes to look for it. Right. And speaking from experience myself, it's definitely worthwhile to spend time to start that search. Now, what about those who might feel like sustainability or slow fashion aren't things that they need to care about? What's one thing you'd say to them to really reconcile the reality with their existing perspective? Ooh. I think what really got to me was, you know, beyond the social impacts, because I think everyone has kind of seen those images of people in sweatshops and people not getting paid living wages. But I think the harsh reality is that we're producing so much and your average like polyester shirt, if it's made out of like a synthetic plastic, it's going to rot on earth for 200 to 300 years. So that garment is going to outlive our time, our children's time, and potentially even your grandchildren's time, you know? So it's like those kind of impacts are really scary. And I think another one is the materials that are um, used to make our clothing. Like your average cotton t-shirt takes about two and a half years of clean drinking water for one person. That's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) And so there's a lot of stuff. And if you want to be shocked and depressed, like again, watch that documentary or do quick Google searches. But Mm -hmm. I think you bring up a good point because it's like you have to figure out why it resonates for you and why mm-hmm. it's important to you because like it's easy to walk into a store and buy something on a whim and like retail therapy yourself better it's like you need a why as to you know why you should go thrifting or why you should buy less you know mm-hmm. so it has to resonate with you and you have to find that why mm-hmm. and maybe you've experienced this yourself but for me sometimes it feels like having that why is just not enough especially when massive companies like Aritzia have their annual warehouse sales and thousands, literally thousands of people flock there in a frenzy for their deals. 
So in your opinion, what can companies do to still be profitable under these circumstances while not encouraging consumers like you and me to indulge in fast fashion? Yeah, it's a good question. So for Recloseted, our vision is to right the harmful fashion industry, and we do it by raising awareness with consumers. But to your point, like businesses play a really big role as well. And so I, on the Recloseted Radio podcast, I actually did the Zara Sustainability Roadmap yeah. episode. Yeah. And so if you listen to it, you'll know that you know I kind of analyze what they put out, mm-hmm. and I think the crux of it is like a big company. The first step. And kind of the easiest step, in my opinion, is just to produce less, right? Like Zara can say all these things, like we're going to use organic cotton and we're going to change up our packaging and we're going to have like more energy efficient factories. All that stuff is great, but at the end of the day, they're producing like millions of tons of textiles and it's like they're releasing stuff every single week and they're like everywhere all over the world, right? So if they can just produce less and scale back a little bit there, I think that has such a big impact. And that's so much easier, in my opinion, than like changing up all of their packaging, switching up all their factories. Um, so I think production is definitely something that companies should look into. Um, and then you, if you produce less, you don't have to have these kind of big blowout warehouse sales, right? Exactly. And that reminds me of our last conversation together when you told me the surprising truth of where clothing actually goes when we donate it. So feel free to tell everybody about that. Yeah, so a lot of our clothing, you know, we kind of sometimes wash our hands of it and just donate it. And it's really important to make sure that it's actually going to someone in need or like another home versus just the landfill. Like, I want to say, I think the stat was 80% or something like that ends up in our landfills. And only two or three percent of clothing actually gets repurposed or reused and it's a very low figure and it's really just because we're consuming so much we have so much clothes in circulation that it's like there's just nowhere for it to go and I'm just in my head when I'm reading these stats like picturing this world where there's just like clothes and garbage everywhere and like no land to survive and I know it's so dramatic but I don't know like I think there's some truth to it you know because we only have so much space and we can't just continue to burn things and we can't just continue to pile things up like we have to deal with this situation so Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. now just as a fun short interlude activity I'd love for you to run us through what you're wearing right now, how long you've had each item for, and what the care and storage process is kind of like. Yeah. So like I mentioned, I was a fast fashion consumer before, and I actually have a lot of stuff from brands that like I wouldn't shop at anymore. But I think the transition from being a fast fashion consumer to like someone that's more ethical isn't like to get rid of everything in your closet that you have right now and swap it out for sustainable brands. Because in my opinion, that's actually worse. Um, so this jacket is actually from a brand I don't support, but it's <laughs> local and my friend um, gave it to me. Okay. Um, so it like has a special place in my heart. Right. But it's like, I've had it for a year and a half. Um, and I still try to take care of it like it the quality isn't great but I've actually like sewed it and things like that because it did tear a little bit but I think it's all about like trying to preserve your garments to your point and like taking care of it if needed Um, this shirt was actually thrifted I think like your basics you can find thrifted because people will buy I'm wearing a white t-shirt I know you guys can't see (laughs) but you know like a white t-shirt like people are buying those all the time and it's like getting rid of it all the time. So I think you can get that usually too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this was also thrifted as well, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really just about 
keeping whatever is in your wardrobe because that is more sustainable than getting rid of it and replacing mm-hmm. it, but then also taking care of it. And then when you want to buy new, like try to thrift or get it from a clothing swap or see if you can like borrow from your friends. Because mm-hmm. I know sometimes for events, like you want to wear something quote unquote different or new. And so you can try to shop your friends' closets or go <laughs> thrifting. Yes, I love that. And I'm definitely shopping my sister's closet all the time. Now, on the topic of thrifting, I know that there is some stigma around it, which varies a little, but one of the most common concerns I've heard is, is, oh, even if the item is upcycled into something new, it's still used product and really isn't worth that much. So how do we shift our mindset to become more open to thrifting and buying used? I think for me, I talk about it in the handbook, but it's like, I'm such a germaphobe. And the thing with me was like, oh my God, someone else wore this. I don't know if I want to wear it. (laughs) And I was like, girl, you're going to wash this. So you're fine. (laughs) But also it's like people in quote unquote news stores, like they're trying on these garments anyways too. So it's like, Mm -hmm. it's kind of similar. And I think we're buying so much and we're only wearing like our garments an average of seven to six, like six to seven times and tossing them. So it's like what you're buying is actually quite new. And I think what I like about thrifting is like, it's so fun and you can <laughs> find treasures. And the beauty of it is like, you're not going to show up somewhere and have someone wearing the exact same outfit or same pieces mm-hmm. as you. Whereas, you know, we both live in Vancouver and Aritzia is huge. Like I feel yeah. like every girl has like a certain jacket or has a certain top and it's because they all buy from the same place. So I think thrifting also allows you to be unique and more expressive with your style. Um, And on an environmental perspective, thrifting also means that you're diverting, you know, obviously waste from landfill Mm -hmm. and then also no new materials were put into your garment. So you can feel good about that, right? Like I just talked about the cotton t-shirt. So I know the one I thrifted, like it didn't take two and a half years of drinking water for someone, right? So yeah, yeah, there's both like an environmental, but also kind of a fun, like fashion I don't even know what to call it. Like fun fashion activity you can do, which is thrifting. Yeah. Friend bonding kind yeah, of Yeah, totally. Yeah, and you can go with your friends. Like it can be fun. Mm-hmm. And speaking from your experience, what demographic of people tend to be thrifting more? Yeah, I would say it's generally more millennials, which has been really cool to see. Mm-hmm. And I would say like, yeah, I think it's just people that get it, people that potentially are on a uh, lower budget, which is great too, because I think a lot of times people will want to support sustainable fashion, but then they have this mentality that it's really inaccessible and very expensive. And I hate that kind of stigma. And I really try hard to combat that through recloseted channels because it's like, I think sustainability is accessible to everyone, but it's just about effort, right? Like if you have a lower budget, that's totally fine. Go to a clothing swap. You can get clothes for free or like swap with your friends or go thrifting. Like, I don't think there's there should be any quote-unquote excuse. It's just Mm. about effort, yeah. For sure. And speaking of effort, you're writing the harmful fashion industry with such ambitious and amazing goals in addition to working full-time. How do you manage it all? Yeah, I get asked this question a lot, and I love asking this question to other people when they come on my podcast. And I think what I've realized is I don't like the word balance, and I think a lot of other people don't either. But what I do believe in is the fact that you can have it all, just not all at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> so what that means in my life is like some weeks I'm working a lot, like a lot, a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, when I say a lot, like literally from eight to like, 
12 a.m., like, a lot kind of thing. And there's some weeks where I take it easy and I see my friends. But I think what I've learned is that, you know, at the end of the day, you have to take care of yourself because I, in my business right now, like, I'm the founder, like, I'm the visionary, like, and I'm also, like, the janitor, you know? (laughs) So it's, like, if I get sick shit's gonna hit the fan you know so it's like I have to take care of myself and I have to put myself first because if I don't take care of myself you can't take care of your to-do list and I've realized that over the past like few months um and so taking care of myself really looks like scheduling in workouts for example making sure I eat decently even though I haven't been eating that decently this week but you know (laughs) making sure I eat decently um I also started meditating which has been a game changer if you listen to podcasts of successful people, uh, they often say they meditate, and I find that it's really helpful because it can help with like all the stuff going on in your head and can really help ground and center you. So meditation has been key as well. Um, and I would say like my calendar is my best friend. I am very type A, very OCD. People will tell you that, but my calendar is literally my life. Like I just schedule everything, um, and I also try to schedule at least a few hours a week for me, where I just get to like read and just like chill out and um, think strategically. Uh, so yeah. And with the strategic planning, what has been challenging for you, and how are you overcoming it? Making space for it has been challenging because it's like when you're in it day to day, like you need to put out the next fire, you need to continue to execute. And it's so hard to take the time to take a step back and look at things from a five foot view. But you really need to do that to be able to run a successful business. So I've just kind of started forcing myself to do it for four hours a week at least. And you just put in the calendar and you just drop everything, you just do it. And like sometimes it doesn't come to you, like sometimes it comes to me during a workout or when I like, I'm reading or something like that but I think just jotting it all down making sure you capture everything like I have a notes app on my phone and it has all of my ideas and half the time it doesn't make sense but it's fine <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I just think you know making time for it for creativity and inspiration to come to you but also not being hard on yourself when it doesn't because I think it like ebbs and flows and when you force it it's not going to come but you have to make room for it make room for yourself to relax and think a little bit more freely and and then things will come to you. Right. And because you work full time and are scaling sustainable brands with others, you definitely serve as an inspiration for so, so many. What advice, I'm curious to know, do you have for those who want to start their side hustle, but just haven't yet? Yeah, I would say just start. One of my, not regrets, but one of my wishes besides was that I started earlier. And I think starting can be super scary, but you have to have the courage to do it. So just start, like that's my first tip. And then my second would be, make sure you're doing it for the right reasons and make sure you are so insanely passionate about it because it's going to be hard and it's going to be tough. And there's gonna be moments when you wanna quit and there's gonna be moments where you're like so stressed out and you're gonna like, there's gonna be a lot of blood, sweat and tears, literally. (laughs) But like if you so passionate get why you're doing what you're doing and there's a huge why behind it I think that will get you through because like for me I like to your point like I work a full-time job and I go home and I'm tired but then when I start working on recloseted I get re-energized and it's like a whole burst of energy because I genuinely love what I do and so I think that's really important like if you want to start your side hustle make sure you really resonate with it and make sure you get why you're doing it and that will be your fuel for when times get rough. And speaking of fuel, did you have naysayers or critics at all in the past? And if you did, 
what fueled you to really be triumphant in dealing with them? Yeah, that's interesting. When I first started, I was actually worried that people would not get it and they would be like, oh, sustainability is a joke. Like, we don't have to be sustainable. (laughs) And I don't know if it's because I've been sheltered in this Vancouver bubble. Uh, For those of you listening, like, Vancouver is quite green and I don't know if hippie is the right word, but like, you know, kind of hippie. And so I haven't gotten a lot of backlash. Um, If anything, like I've gotten a lot of support, which has been amazing. But I would say on the more entrepreneurial side, like definitely had a couple of quote unquote toxic people in my life. And you just have to cut that out because like I said before, you don't have time for that. Like as an entrepreneur, your mental health and the people you surround yourself with is so important. So I talked about this in my entrepreneurial tips, like one year celebration podcast episode, but like I had to cut people out and like you may have to do that too, but it makes room for better people and you can continue to up-level yourself and continue to grow and improve, but you have to be surrounded by the right people. That's so, so, so important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like when you quote unquote cut them out, like you don't have to be mean about it, you know, like, yeah. You're canceled. Yeah. (laughs) We are no longer friends. (laughs) Your contract is over. Just kidding. Uh, but like yeah like, and I think people understand like because people do grow and drift apart and sometimes when you try something new like running your own business you're like people can be intimidated or like they just cannot understand why you're doing what you're doing but again it just goes back to the fuel like you need to understand why you're doing it and you need to understand the greater vision amazing so as we wrap up please let everybody know how they can stay connected with you and your work I'll be including all the links in the description box of this episode Yeah, for sure. So we are at Recloseted on Instagram and Facebook. If you want to send me an email, it's hey at recloseted.com. And we also have a podcast too. It's called Recloseted Radio. It's basically available everywhere like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all of that stuff. And our handbook is called The Recloseted Handbook, Your Sustainable Fashion Guide. And it's on our website too, which is just recloseted.com. Thank you so much again for listening to this episode of Rise Regardless. I hope that you share this with those in your circles to let them know what you've gleaned from it. And even let me know, post it on social, tell me what an impact it has made on you. I'd absolutely love to hear your thoughts because you're now a part of a community of resilient individuals. And I can't wait to share the next episode with you.